So guys, have you ever found that when you're stressed, you're the most tired? Do you actually know why that is or why when you're feeling most down or looking down on yourself or have mindset problems or just not being kind to yourself, you're tired, cranky, moody, etc., etc., insert negative adjective in here? Hopefully today we will find out why that is or at least have some interesting insights on what we could do to fix that by talking to our guest, who is a mindset expert. Hola, hello everybody and welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, the podcast where we talk about life, love, travel, business, and everything in between. Life tends to get messy sometimes and nobody really taught us how to live it. With your new best friend, confidant, and host, yours truly, Sabrina. I will always have your back and it is my mission that you never feel alone again because I'm always here. So fasten your seatbelts because the ride is about to get really bumpy. Welcome to season two. Let's go. Welcome back, guys, to Pretty Sure. Um, today's episode is a really interesting one for me and for my guest as well, because I have not always been into mindset and you know, like energy and yoga and all of that stuff. But slowly but surely, the universe has kind of like put me in the way of you have to start taking care of yourself because I don't know about you guys, but I'm always the type of person that goes a million miles a minute. I'll be running to the gym, then to work, then to this, then to that, and basically not caring if I slept a lot, if I was tired, if I had like 50 persons I had to see in the same day. Never really looked after my energy. And Obviously, life punished me, quote unquote, because it wasn't really a punishment. And last year, I fell off a bike and sprained my ankle almost to a fracture. Since that happened, I can tell you guys I've been taking way much more care about myself, being less stressed, trying to be very mindful and say, do I really want to see this person? Do I really want to go out? Do I really want to, etc.? If the answer is no, I'll probably just cancel or say, listen, guys. Can't do this right now. So sorry. Let's reschedule. And so when I met Kenzie Emit, because she lives on the other side of the world, Canada. Hello, everybody. <laughs> when I emailed her, I was super excited. And then we started talking and I just loved her vibe. So I figured she had to come on the show and talk to us a bit more about mindset, how she works through those things, how she started the whole journey and everything. And also talk to us a little bit about yoga because she is a fabulous yoga instructor. So Kenzie co-star, love your name, by the way. <laughs> Welcome to the show and let's talk. Can you please tell us your story? Hey, Sabrina. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I'm so excited to be here today and to share my story with your audience and share some new insights and mindset hacks, tips and tricks. So I am ready if you are. <laughs> yes, let's go. Okay. So tell us your story briefly before we dive into the questions. Who is Kenzie? I would love to. So a summarized version, you know, involves a couple of things. And I only share these things to empower you and to show you how anything really is overcomable. And I think that my journey is kind of like my whole life, right? As all of our journeys are, it's our whole entire life. So really to, to start, like it just dives right in. Um, I, I, 
ultimately lost my father to suicide actually before the age of one. So a week before my first birthday. And I actually lost my virginity to rape at 14 years old. And that kind of led me into a path of, you know, low self-worth. And I ultimately found myself in a controlling, toxic, abusive relationship for a majority of my teens where teens where I actually um got looped into drugs and alcohol. So this is a great start, right? Love, love driving <laughs> this. And you know what? Afterwards, you know, as I kind of moved out of my teens and into my twenties, that's when I really began to like switch it up, clean up my life, ended the toxic relationship, stopped doing the drugs, but still drank a lot of alcohol. Um, so you know, at the same time, there were so many loose ends and limiting beliefs that I still carried with me, which, you know, ultimately continued to lower my self-worth. Um, yeah. I completed my college education, uh, graduated high school, completed my college um, in a program that I actually didn't want to do. So why did I do it? Well, because- Join the club, sister. Join yeah. the club. Right. So why did I do it? I don't know. I just felt like that was what I, you know, society kind of kind of leads you into. It was kind of like the only option I felt like I had. Um, It was also, you know, some of the programs that my grades allowed me for. And, you know, math was my kryptonite. I tried to, you know, redo my math three times and, you know, without seeing that success. And I just realized, you know what, that's okay. I'm going to have to accept that. I'm just going to continue walking the path and leaning into the things that I'm really good at versus focusing so much energy on the things I'm not so good at, right? That doesn't come so naturally to me. So, you know, at that point in my life, I really felt like I was sleepwalking. But, you know, after, you know, graduating college with honors and everything, you know, things really began to look up because I also entered a really loving relationship. And that was actually the first time where I really saw hope for my future. So, you know, in, in the meantime, I moved cities, you know, in pursuit of that loved, I I had to change jobs and I really put so much pressure on myself to perform. And this is something that I find a lot of us doing. We think we have to perform and it's kind of like, we are so ready and available to do things for other people. Kind of like you mentioned, and, and we're not so ready and available to do things for ourselves. And that's where that self care comes in. That's where that stillness comes in. That's checking in with ourselves, right? Like we forget to do that. And and a part of forgetting is because, you know, we could say we were never taught, but at the end of the day, it's not about casting our, you know, projections outwards and blaming anything, but taking responsibility for it, you know, for ourselves and realizing that this is what I actually need. This is what is calling me, you know, my intuition, right? This is what my gut is saying. This is that voice in the back of my head that I don't like to listen to, but it's always there, right? (laughs) So, so, so yeah, I, um, you know, upon moving, you know, I chose a new job and again, these are choices and decisions that we actively make. Right. So I chose a job and it actually ended up being another version of a toxic relationship where my boss would actually like throw papers on the floor and tell me to pick them up. And like, I want this, you know, this, this personal story and really take the curtain back and say, this is the reality. Like, like people go through so much in just a day, let alone a week, let alone a month, a year and their whole entire life. Right. Like it sometimes feels, feels like it's never ending and we're just constantly getting the short end of the stick. But as we move towards the end of the story, I want you to see that that's not the case. Right. So in this job, 
with this boss, I actually would cry every morning going to work and every day when I came home. And I think this really produced a mild form of trauma. It's like, you know, you wake up, you hit your alarm, you kind of want to sleep in, you you have five minutes to get ready, you bring your breakfast into your car, you drive to the train station, you get on the train, you go into work, you sit in a windowless office and you're like, ah, you know, like you're like, like, how, you know, how does that feel? It doesn't make you feel good. Right. And so- So I've, I've lived the nine to five thing and I realized like that really wasn't for me. Right. So I lasted just short of a year and I quit. And, you know, at first I didn't think that I had the ability to quit. Right. I felt trapped. Mm -hmm. It's like, you always have the power to change always. So don't ever take that away from yourself. So after quitting, I ended up jobless, job searching um, for about three months. And I really decided to take this extra time I had to fill it with yoga and meditation. Right. So upon that, yeah, it, it was the best decision of my life, honestly, looking back now. And, and I truly believe this is where the healing journey began, right? Because it opened the floodgates to all those emotions I once suppressed for myself. So I think that doing the yoga and meditation is actually kind of what unlocked the anxiety, right? So then I, struggled with anxiety and it really hit me like a brick wall. It was, you know, started with one panic attack that sent me to the hospital. And shortly thereafter, I was actually experiencing them every single day for about nine months. So this was, you know, a, um, a huge portion of my journey and the transformation that it really led into. And I feel like, you know, when we do go through things like anxiety, depression, heartbreak, and these really strong emotions, they can really send us down a rabbit hole, right? Like it can get us low, low. And it's a matter for us to see the good in it and remember that life is happening for us and not for sure us, right? So listen to that intuition. And in other words, you know, myself, that voice in the back of my head. And I said, you know what, no to the medications. I realized that there was going to be, you know, it was going to be me who had to fix the anxiety. And I knew that deep down, it was almost that unexplainable voice, right? And so I knew that. And, and yeah, so upon listening to that intuition and continuing to do yoga and meditation, I I started on that journey, a healing journey, and I really took myself through 30 days where I just committed. I was disciplined to some daily practices, and and it might sound simple, but it it really you know isn't easy, right? It's simple, but it's yeah. not easy, and that's ultimately what led me to where I am today, which is stepping into now that teacher, that yoga instructor, that mindset coach, and yeah, that's kind of a summarized version of my journey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever think you were going to get into being a coach or do some type of spiritual thing or it just like magically life took you there? Yeah, that's a good question. You know what? I feel like there was a part of me deep, deep down always who was a very spiritual being, like since I was a child. And I feel like that's really kind of what pulled me through life. It wasn't religion, but it was just kind of spirituality and knowing that there's something bigger in the universe supporting us. And honestly, like looking back now, I feel like I was guided the entire time and all these experiences happened for a reason to lead me here. But I did not go into that with the intention that I'm going to help people one day. <laughs> I was like, about myself, right? Like, you know, yeah, it's very, yeah, very survival mode. <laughs> That's amazing. It's funny because I feel like people that tend to be coaches or mentors, they don't really look for it. It just kind of happens, right? Which is mm-hmm. just all the more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. 
So how have you dealt with stress in the past or now? Has something changed? Like, have you developed, you know, like how, how do you deal with stress? Yeah, I love that question. So in the past, you know, a lot of the ways that I would deal with stress was just unwinding, you know, after a long day's work or after a long week, right? Especially in that nine to five phase of my life, you know, I would unwind on the weekend, right? That's where, that's yeah. where you the time. So what would I do? I would drink. Like I would casually drink with my friends and by casually drinking, sometimes that would, you know, turn into binge drinking, right? Where you don't just have a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. You have two bottles of wine. And then it's like, you know, before you know it, you're giggling. And then the next day you wake up with a hangover. And then now you're just spending your Sunday unwinding with a hangover, doing nothing, right? And so, so a lot of my stress was dealt with, you know, things that I would now consider, you know, numbing tools. So drinking watching TV, you know, sleeping in, just really kind of passively moving through life, but allowing that to feel like it was a release, right? Allowing that to feel like it was the, you know, the unwinding that I needed. Um, and, and a lot of it too would be venting, right? I would just vent and vent and vent, but it was like, you know, what was I venting about? Like, how are these problems actually being solved? Like I wasn't talking actively through them to find a solution. I was just venting. And so, you know, this can lead to complaining and then the matter never feeling solved. And then you just start to feel more depleted. So that's how I dealt with stress in the past. But now I really deal with stress in a proactive manner. So it's like, I don't allow the stress to kind of like creep up on me, right? It's like, now I know my stressors. It's like, identify what your three top stressors are. Is it work? Is it your relationship? You know, is it your family? Like whatever it is, identify what those things are and then proactively look at how you can avoid putting yourself into those situations so that you can honestly begin to start avoiding stress altogether. So now you know, my stress, you know, my de-stressing looks like going for a bike ride, spending time in nature, like moving my body, you know, exercising, just drinking more water, maybe some breathing exercises, meditation. And, and I feel that these are much healthier ways to, you know, unwind and de-stress. Definitely. Or dancing or singing, whatever anyone wants to do yeah. that doesn't involve any type of vice. Yes. Move that body always. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What do you think are some of the major causes of stress in your opinion? Mm -hmm. So I think some major causes of stress is actually what I recently uncovered. Okay. So I recently uncovered some limiting beliefs to exact that I've actually held really deeply in my psyche, in my subconscious. So something that is not, you know, on my radar in other words. So those two things were, I'm not good enough and I'm not capable. Okay. So these are two beliefs that I have been unconsciously living by. And this is something that, you know, especially when you work with a coach and you move into that world, this is what coaches will really help you identify is your limiting beliefs because it's, it's like the hidden stress. It's like the hidden gems that are like underneath everything kind of just laying there dormant, but very much alive. Right. So it's like, these were actually causes to a lot of my stress because, you know, like whether they're little or big things that were like coming up in my day to day, it always felt worse due to these beliefs that were actually driving the way I felt deep, deep down. 
So those I would say were actually the major causes of my stress. And now that I can look at them and identify with them, I don't allow them to control me. I don't allow them to drive my stressors or my behaviors anymore. So that was a really big one to discover. Yeah. Like you said, I feel, I definitely agree with you on that. Normally when we think of stress, it doesn't, it's not, it's never what it's at the surface level, right? Like you can say, oh, it's my boss. It's whatever, but is it really your boss? Like maybe there's something else with your boss. Like, are you, you know, letting him treat you poorly? Are you taking on more than you can do? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always takes two to tango, right? Exactly. <laughs> common denominator of your life. So it's like, if you see patterns arising, know that hate, I'm the common denominator to these patterns. So what's going on? Like, what can I change? Yeah, (laughs) I love that. So real talk, can stress actually affect your energy? And also, why is everything goddamn related to stress? Because when I was, you know, last year when I was living the whole, yay, I'm going to do 50 things a day, whatever, whenever I'd go to the doctor, they'd say like, oh, you're stressed. Oh, you have zits because you're stressed. Oh, you have stomach problems because you're stressed. And I was like, But why does everything relate to stress, damn it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, Why is everything related to stress, right? So, I mean, I think everything can relate back to stress if you let it. It's an easy thing Mm -hmm. to identify with. And especially, you know, in modern medicine or in Western medicine, I guess you could say, you know, that's kind of what you hear a lot, like you just mentioned, right? And so I honestly... Like stress affects the energy if you let it, but I wouldn't say so much that stress is what's affecting the energy, but rather the thoughts that it leaves us with. Okay. So the thoughts that stress leaves us with in turn will affect our emotions. And so our emotions are where a lot of our energy comes from, right? Because it's like when we're emotionally charged, it creates this Mm -hmm. energetic charge, right? Because then we feel really strongly about something, whether it's positive or negative, right? And, And stress can, you know, sometimes reside more so in that negative side where it surpasses, you know, oh, this positive stress that's just giving us like a little extra boost, but we allow it to, you know, kind of sit with us a little bit too too long or we lean into it a little bit too much and it becomes negative, right? So it's like the emotions are an energetic charge and the the thing goes, you know, you got to feel it to heal it. And it's true. You have to feel it to heal it. So I kind of want to take it from stress into, you know, what's an opposite of stress? You know, what's an opposite? A good opposite would be gratitude because when you're in gratitude, you can't be stressed, right? Like when you're happy, you can't be sad. When you're sad, you feel like you can't be happy, right? But it's like you can always shift your energy and where you're putting your focus because it's like where focus goes, energy flows. So to bring it into a gratitude practice, you know, I want you, I actually kind of want to do this with you right now. So I want you to think about (laughs) when you were so grateful, like maybe you won something or manifested something, you know, a, a surprise, maybe you worked really hard for it. Think about something right now that you were so grateful for. Okay. Done. Okay. So what did that feel like? What does it feel like to be that grateful? Very calming. Yeah. Feel it a little bit deeper. Were you really happy, excited? Were you like, oh my God, this thing is in my life? Yeah, definitely. Right? Definitely like that. And you're also, I was also like, oh my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. Like, what did I do? 
Yeah. And it's that feeling of almost disbelievement, right? You're like, oh my gosh, this thing is in my life. So whatever that thing is, you know, step into that feeling, embody it and feel it in your heart. Okay. Because gratitude, we only feel real gratitude and super grateful when whatever we want, we already have, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever we want, it's now in our lives. And you feel so grateful. You know, maybe it's the child that, you know, you've been trying, you know, multiple times, multiple pregnancies to get pregnant. And finally you're pregnant and it's like, oh oh my God, you're so grateful. It's because you have it now. So it's bringing yourself, you know, if you do a gratitude practice, I highly recommend them every morning to write three to five things you're grateful for. And this might be something that a lot of your listeners are currently doing, but I just want to put the attention to not just passively writing, you know, I am grateful for my dog. I'm grateful for the sky. I'm grateful for my life. You know, don't write it passively. Feel what it feels like to be that grateful. Because when you put yourself into that vibrational state, that energetic state, the emotion is now charged behind it. And that is what's actually going to make you like a magnet to what you want to attract into your life. And it happens like magic, right? Like as you become more grateful, you will attract more of the things that you're already grateful for, right? So it's kind of like that. 22. And, you know, that's where it's just like, you take yourself right out of stress and you put yourself right into gratitude and you feel the gratitude almost like you're feeling your stress, right? Because when you're so stressed out, you're so stressed out, you feel it, you feel it and you're living into it. And you wake up. Sometimes our first thought when we wake up is how stressed out we are about what we have to do. Right. And then when you're feeling that stress, that instantly, you're actually becoming the magnetic vibration for the very thing you don't want, which is more stress in your life, right? And more stressful situations. So it really is just shifting it and flipping it on its head and leaning into the feeling, the emotion, the energy of whatever you do want. It's actually funny that you say that because it's true. Um, It's counterproductive, but we all do it. We're like, oh my God, I'm stressed. And then you start feeling way more stressed because you're like, oh my God, I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned that. That's happened to me so many times. Like I'm trying to be better, but I know definitely I can relate to what you're saying. That's happened to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's happened to me many times, right? And sometimes we're just not aware, right? And the first step to any change is always awareness. For sure. I think that's even in the steps of recovery, right? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. (laughs) That's funny. So speaking about all of that, what is mindset for you? And how can we actually make our mindset work for us instead of against us? And I'm relating this to the whole, I feel stressed, so I'm stressed. Right. So again, I think it's really just becoming aware of your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. You have a mind and in a way it's kind of like a muscle, right? It's like whatever muscle we're working out in our fitness, you know, regime or exercise, it's like, let's say the bicep, right? You're going to keep working that bicep and you want it to be stronger, but it's like, same thing with your thoughts, right? Like you have to become aware of them to, to change them and to strengthen them and to grow new ones. Right. So it's like, we need to become aware of those thoughts so that we can stop living on that autopilot. Right. Because a lot of us kind of just live on autopilot. Like we just sit same thoughts that we've always thought. And it's like, I think, what did they say? There's some studies showing that I think we, 
don't quote me on this, but I think like 80 to 90% of our thoughts are the same thoughts every single day. So it's like if you're living the same thoughts every single day, you're producing the same results. And so thus, it's really hard to find that growth and to find yourself over kind of on the other side of that fence that you want to be on. So, you know, it's focusing again on what you want versus on what you don't want. So it's like, let's say, you know, you're going through, you know, a trying situation in your life and you keep thinking like, I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. I don't know how, um, you know, this is really hard. This is stressful. I don't like this. If you're thinking these things, begin to become aware of those thoughts. Like that's the first step is just becoming aware of those thoughts. And then once you become aware, now you'll start to catch yourself when you're thinking them. Okay. But that is the first step. So then the second step is to replace those thoughts. So actively like sit down with yourself with a piece of paper and actually like write down maybe the three to five top thoughts that are negative that you're having that might be holding you back, right? Just identify them. Don't be hard on yourself. Just find whatever comes to you. And then once you identify them right away, write down three to five other thoughts that are directly going to replace the previous negative thought. Because when you sit down with yourself and you actively, it's like you're planning your life, you're proactively planning yourself now. And you write down that positive thought. Now, when you become aware of that negative thought and you catch it, you can replace it right away. And it's like, this is you know, how you're actually going to shift your mindset because your mindset is very moldable. It's very controllable. It doesn't have to work on autopilot. And I mean, we ultimately do, you know, want things to begin to work on autopilot for our benefit, like brushing our teeth, our car, you know, these things that we do every day, but it now is becoming mindful of the thoughts we're having and allowing the good ones to become on autopilot. Right. So it's just shifting gears. That's really all it is. It's just shifting gears, taking control, writing it down, looking, at it and saying, okay, now I know how to combat the negative ones with a positive one, right? So I really like to, you know, tell my clients to ask themselves this question every day. Okay, you ready? Shoot, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So how could life be any more easy, glorious, and abundant? Oh, that's a good one. How could life be any more easy, right? Because when you're asking the right questions, you will receive the answers you actually want. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Because, you know, sometimes we can catch ourselves asking not the wrong questions, but maybe not the best questions, right? Like, oh, how could things get any worse, right? Like, I'm sure, I know I've asked myself that. Murphy's Law, right? What can go bad? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was me last week. I I think there was this day where just everything went wrong in tech. And I think I posted on my Instagram stories about it. And I was like, oh my God, what can still go wrong? And then lo and behold, um, I could not post something for like six hours that needed to be posted. And I was like, great. That's just my luck. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And that right there. And we have to be mindful then of, you know, even the words we're speaking. So instead of saying, it's just my luck, it's saying, no, that was synchronistic. I needed that to grow, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just little tweaks. And the more you do it, the better, the better you'll like see what's coming up in your mind, what's coming through your voice, because, you know, the mindset shifts is really becoming mindful of like how we speak to ourselves inside and outside. Yeah. 
I love that. That's amazing. And keeping up with like the same type of topic, Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about overwhelm, because a lot of people, maybe they don't call it stress or it's stress, but hand in hand with, I feel overwhelmed by a situation. Do you think it's because they're having different thoughts? It's a mindset thing. Like what is the cause when you feel overwhelmed by something? Yeah. So I think overwhelm comes when our mind starts stacking against us. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we have one thought or feeling and, or the feeling creates a thought, right? And then we're sitting with that. And then we feel, oh gosh, it's kind of like making you sick, right? It's bordering onto that stress. But then we put another one in there and then we think, oh my God, like, okay, it's not just, you know, I don't just have to take my dog to the vet today. That was unexpected. Like now I have to finish this project. Like, oh my gosh, now I have to do this. And now I have to do this. And then the brain is stacking against you. So that is what I think leads to overwhelm is that when it's like, we put so much emphasis and emotional charge towards things that we have to do in our day. And then it creates not just stress, but overwhelm, right? It just builds a little bit more. And then that's kind of like that overwhelm starts to lead us into our breaking point. If we're not careful and we don't catch ourselves and and take a step back and say, okay, let's be proactive, right? Like, what can I do here that will help me? Like, you know, what's worth more, my time or my money right now? Like maybe I could call a friend and ask them to, you know, give me a, a huge favor or maybe, you know, I could pay someone, right? And then maybe I don't have to worry about that. And then I can worry about it later, right? And it's becoming now to avoid overwhelm. It's prioritizing your thoughts. It's like, okay, what's the most important thing right now? And that is then leading into your value system. What do you value the most, right? And a lot of us, tend to value extrinsic things versus intrinsic things, right? So it's like, okay, I need to please people. I need to make everybody else happy. I need to fill everybody else's cup up. I need to make sure that these things are done on time. And yes, those are valid thoughts. But at the same time, who's the most important person at the end of the day? It's you. Yeah. And you have to know that and you have to align with that and you have to value that. And once you value yourself and your intrinsic motivators, which are things that light you up, that make you happy, that fill your cup up first, then it just kind of, you know, allows you to take that step back, be more proactive and deal with that overwhelm in a completely different way, right? Yeah, I love that. That's a great way of putting it. And you're definitely right. Usually when people have overwhelm, it's because, you know, they have repetitive things, like you said, stacking, stacking, and you're like, oh my God, now what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So you were telling me that you're also a yoga instructor. And I know that in yoga, we do a lot of meditation and we talk about like flow and everything. So let's demystify these three topics because I feel they have such a charge to those words. Mm-hmm. What exactly is meditation for you? And how does one go about doing it if you've never done it before? Like, let's say someone has just heard of meditation, meditation, and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't just sit there for like 30 minutes staring at the ceiling and just think of nothing, you know, like how? Yeah. So I love that question because meditation, I I understand what you mean by where, you know, sometimes we think meditation is for gurus or for the hippie or for, you know, somebody who wants to become a yoga instructor, you know, like it's for somebody else. It's not for you kind of thing. Right. And so, (laughs) so meditation to me, is just a tool. It's just a tool. And that tool is to help you find, you know, yourself, right? It's just a tool for you to tune inwards and to actually become 
you know, familiar with your intrinsic motivators and, and what's going on on the inside. It's, it's time to find the stillness to actually just check in with yourself. Because if you think about it, how often in a day, let alone our whole life, do we actually give ourselves just a minute to breathe? Yeah, definitely. Not often, right? Especially, nope. when, you know, you you might identify as like somebody like a high achiever and you're go, go, going and you have so many things to do and people to see and, you know, and, and maybe you're extroverted and you love that stuff, right? But But at the same time, it's good to find just little breaks and moments to pause. So instead of waking up and like hearing that alarm first thing and heading out the door, running out the door, it's actually just blocking in, honestly, a minute to just pause and just sit there for a minute with yourself. And so, so meditation, you know, if somebody really did want to start a little mini kind of meditation practice, I would say start with one minute, like make it really easy for yourself because I know like meditation for a lot of people, maybe you've tried it and you feel like, Oh, that's not for me. My mind doesn't shut off. I can't stop thinking. And it's like, that's not necessarily what meditation is, right? It's not about dropping the thoughts or allowing yourself to sit there in silence and go, Oh, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's just allowing yourself to slow down for a minute and just connect with your breath. So, you know, maybe in that minute you take 10 deep breaths, maybe you don't even do a minute. Maybe you just take 10 deep breaths, right? Like do a minute, take some conscious breath, right? Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, and just focus on that. Focus on your breath. And that's honestly as simple as it needs to be. But when you do have a thought come up, instead of leaning into that thought and allowing it to control you, notice the thought, become aware of the thought and say, thank you, but not right now. So one of the best visuals that have worked for me is imagining that whenever a thought comes up, because they will, that's not abnormal, right? They will, they'll always come up. But when it does come up, imagine it's like a cloud in the sky. Imagine that that thought is just passing by, right? It's coming in and it's going out and you don't need to do anything more with it, right? Besides just let it pass. And then you can come back to it later when you're, when it's time, when it's time, right? Like when you're out of the meditation, then you can say, oh yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Okay. Now I need to focus on that because a lot of the time in meditation, you know, our brain is constantly thinking about the day we already had and how it didn't go the way we wanted it to, or we're thinking about the future and what we need to do, but it's (laughs) kind of coming in the middle of those two things and actually just becoming present. So, you know, another little tidbit would be notice the sounds that are around you in that moment that brings you right to where you are in the moment. Right. So yeah, that's kind of the little, the little tips that I would leave you with, but, but I just kind of want to compare it to, you know, like an exercise where people think, okay, I'm going to start exercising. Like I haven't exercised in months or weeks or whatever it was. And I'm going to start an exercise routine. And, you know, in doing that, what do people usually do? They go hard, right? They're like, I need my ass or like, you know, I haven't worked out in, you know, this long. And so I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to go hard. And then it's like the next day, your legs are going to be jello. You're going to feel like rubber. You're going to be like, ah, you know, you're tired. And like, maybe, you know, pre-plan a meal. So then you feel like extra fatigued and, you know, maybe you didn't drink enough water. So then you're like, oh, that wasn't enjoyable. I don't like that. 
So I'm not going to do it. Or then you start avoiding it. Right. And that's the same thing with meditation. It's like with anything, you have to take it bite-sized little chunks at a time. So it's like, you know, instead of going hard at the gym or whatever, maybe you say, okay, you know what? Tomorrow I'm just going to show up at the gym. And and maybe you work out and maybe you don't. Maybe you're just going to go look around. Maybe you do a little bit of stretching. Super easy, right? And then maybe the next day you work out your legs and then you take a break. And then the next day you work out your arms and then you take a break. And when you do something like that, you're actually just chipping away little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit by little bit. And you're not overwhelming yourself. And it's the same thing for meditation. Just do a minute at a time. And even if you can't do a minute, do 30 seconds and then pat yourself on the back. Like actually like be proud of yourself. Celebrate that because that's where we want to move ourselves is into that higher vibrational energy, which is excitement, you know, enjoyment, gratitude, right? Like we start to just it like reinforce what we're doing with positivity, right? Kind of like a dog. It's like when a dog sits, you give him a treat. Same thing. <laughs> Same I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I definitely agree. I actually started doing meditation. Well, I mean, I've done it for a couple of years, but on and off. But like I said, after the accident, I started. But this question I really wanted to ask you because I had a couple of my followers say like, oh, you've been constantly posting like meditation, but I've never done it. Like, how do you do it? Isn't it weird? I was like, I'm going to ask Kenzie what her thoughts on this are. Love it. Love it. And speaking also of meditation, I know that visualization is also a huge thing. So for people that have also never done that, maybe they're familiar with meditation, but they've never done visualization. How do you actually do that? And do you need to have a specific, not love language, but, you know, kind of like feeling type to be able to do it? Or are there different types of visualization or how does that whole thing go? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can look at anything, right? There's so many points of views, perspectives, and personal takes. So with visualization, it's like, you know, check in with yourself and say, am I a visual person? Am I a visual learner? And, and see if you resonate with that, because if you don't, then it's not something that you, you know, necessarily have to force yourself into, but I always like to be, you know, the curious explorer and try everything at least once, maybe twice, you know, three times, see if you actually like it. (laughs) And so do it for a year. If you don't like it, well, you're already doing it. So who cares? Exactly. Yeah. Just, just try it on, just try it on for a year and then do it for the rest of your life. No, (laughs) but, um, so with visualization, you know, I really like to just say that, you know, your creativity is, is yours. And this is the opportunity that you can give yourself to just be creative, right? You can visualize anything you want, anything you want. And this is where it's like taking yourself back into that child, right? Finding that inner child within you and taking it back and saying, okay, like, what did I like to think about when I was a kid, right? Like, what did I like to dream about when I was a kid? And something that really helps is like, you know, imagining, okay, what did your parents ask you, you know, when it was Christmas, what do you want for Christmas? And you would come up with these like ridiculous things. Like I want a flying unicorn or like, you know, I want this like crazy thing. It's like, go there, take yourself there, right? Like lead yourself into that mindset of a child's imagination of your child's imagination, right? Your inner child's imagination and take yourself there and see what comes up. But another one that I really like to do is just simply visualizing where do I want to be? You know, like, who do I want to be? 
And those are two mm-hmm. questions that I would recommend like writing down, right? Like, where do I want to be? And who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? That's another good one. And it's just, you know, now, you know, while you're in the present moment, you're just allowing yourself to close your eyes and, and give yourself the actual directed opportunity to see into your future and how you want to create it. So it's like, imagine you're, you're creating a movie. Imagine you have a paintbrush and you're drawing out, you know, the future, see what that looks like, right? Try it on for size. You can try on a whole bunch of different things and see how does this feel? Mm, Maybe that doesn't feel so great. Mm, How does this feel? And then that's where you're connecting it to the feeling. Is this a good direction for me? Maybe not. Is this a good direction for me? Ooh, that feels like really juicy. Like I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to continue creating that picture. And, And every time you go back to this visualization, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And as it becomes clearer, it becomes actually easier for you to live into in your real life. Because when we visualize something, it actually is like your brain can't tell the difference between a visualization and real life right? Like you think that you're consciously aware of what the difference is, but your brain on a very deep subconscious level cannot tell the difference. So it's like you're priming yourself. And that's why I say, look into your future because you're able to really have the opportunity to prime your future, right? Like people in sports actually use visualization all the time because it helps them with their performance. So let's say, you know, there's somebody playing basketball, right? And they visualize themselves getting that ball in the hoop, you know, 10, 20, 30 times in a visualization, almost like they're showing up to practice without the actual moving of the body. If you're just doing it in the mind's eye, when you go to show up on that court and you go to shoot that ball, you're going to aim and you're going to get it in if that's what you're doing in your visualization, right? Which I would imagine you are. So that is the power of visualization is that it's like whatever you want, whatever you're practicing, do it in your mind's eye. And then, you know, it takes on another facet where same thing with healing, right? Like if you're going through something right now and you need to heal it, whether that be like a physical injury or, you know, something like more hidden, like anxiety and depression that kind of just like lives in the body, but you don't necessarily have, you know, a pinpoint or something to stitch up. Um, that's where you can use visualization to begin sending healing energy into the body. And, and maybe you have a broken arm, let's say, cause that's an easy reference. You have a broken arm and it's broken in one spot. Now, if you visualize yourself healing your arm in that one spot, and you imagine your cells and maybe what your DNA looks like and you imagine it, you know, healing and you imagine white light, like these, these visualization practices will actually begin to help heal the body because it's an active process. It's not passive. It's real, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. That's so interesting. I never considered it like that. Mm-hmm. But you're definitely yeah. so right. You hear all of these basketball players and like super track stars and everything, but you don't really relate it to visualizing because Again, they don't use that word, I guess. They don't want to, you know, bring all the whole mystification of, oh, I do meditation. Oh, I visualize. And people are just going to be like, "Mm, the hell is that, you know? Yeah. And it is demystifying it because that's the funny thing, right? Like you said, um, it's kind of got that energetic charge behind it, like yoga, meditation, energy flow. And, and, and I can see how it does, but at the same time, it is, it's a matter of, of taking what works for you, taking what resonates for you and leaving the rest always in any area of life. And so it's like, if you wouldn't consider yourself a spiritual person, 
then you don't have to be, right? You don't have to be any certain person or identify as any certain thing to do something that is calling you in, that is calling to you, right? So yeah, always keeping an open mind. (laughs) I love that. Okay, so now we're at my favorite question to ask all of my guests. I'm pretty sure you've had an experience where you feel like you're probably the only one to live it or, you know, thought of it or experienced it. Can you tell us what it was? And also, what would you like to tell other people that might be thinking slash experiencing the same thing you did? Hmm. That's an amazing question. I really, really like this question. I actually had a hard time kind of thinking about this. So I guess, you know, to generalize it a little bit, I feel like my whole life, like I grew up an only child. And so maybe oh, that was that's me. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. And so you get it. No, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, growing up an only child, I really felt like a lot of the experiences I was having were very isolated in a way. Like I was like, wow, I'm so different. Like nobody else thinks like this or feels like this. And, and really when it comes down to it, the, the experience I guess I would have is, and you might think, okay, now you're going off the deep end, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) I saw a ghost. I saw my grandfather's spirit. And so this is a story you can let me know if you want me to lean into that or not. But, um, I, I, I saw a ghost and this was experience that I had when I was a young age and, and it was a very real experience. And I thought, wow, like that, like, like I couldn't talk to anybody about that in my, in my immediate circle. Like my mom and grandma were actually took it really well and they actually mm-hmm. kind of leaned into it. Then that's what took me more down the spiritual path where they started reading books. They started educating themselves on these things and saying, Hey, maybe there's more to this. Like, you know, maybe she's not just a kid seeing an imaginary, you know, something. Right. And so they actually really leaned into it and were very supportive during that journey. But at the same time, you know, as a young girl, it's like, you want to talk to like your friends or you kind of, you're like, you don't know what to think of it. And people just think it's really weird. And so that made me suppress that part of myself, that spiritual side, like that extra spiritual side, that extra sensory, like, you know, kind of almost seen past the veal. Like, you know, I don't, I still, I'm like, I have a hard time explaining, you know, some things around it, but it's, um, you know, now that I'm older, I've realized I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. There's so many other people out there who have experienced a very similar, you know, circumstance and, and, and felt suppressed because of it. And so it's like always going with, you know, your gut. It's like, you know who you are better than anybody else. You know, your experiences that you've lived through better than anybody else. And honestly, I think we have stories placed on us and experiences a life experience is placed on us to turn into stories so that we can actually share them. And right now it's 11, 11. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yay! But yeah, so, so that, that was definitely the experience that I felt like I was the only one to have until I grew up. And so what would you like tell other people that might think the same thing? Cause obviously it doesn't necessarily have to be with spirituality, mm. but I feel like you can relate it to basically anything, you know, you might have, something you like as a child, you might like doing something, but then you feel like you're going to be judged and you're like, oh, I'm just going to suppress it and forget about it. And then, like you said, 20 years later, you're like, oh, wait, I remember doing this when I was a kid. Yeah. I think it's always 
always remembering, which we do and we feel it, right? But I think that when we go through these experiences, it really sticks with us as an inkling that's always there. It's like the niggle that never goes away that tells you to step into that experience that you had or share that what you lived through or continue doing what you once loved to do. You know, whatever it is in whatever capacity that it showed up in your life is just actually leaning back into it and allowing yourself that permission. And sometimes we never lose connection to it. Sometimes we lose connection to it for years or maybe our entire lifetime, but it's a matter of always coming back, right? It's always just a matter of coming back home to yourself and honoring what is true to you because only you know what that is. And it's like, you know, one piece of advice that I say that I got that really helped me start to break down, you know, other people's judgments against me was that never listen to somebody who is not where you want to be. You know, never listen to somebody who is not where you want to be. Because it's like, if you're listening to everybody and taking their projections and their limiting beliefs, ultimately at the end of the day, and you're absorbing those, it's only going to fuel the wrong fire, right? It's going to fuel your limiting beliefs. It's going to fuel your negative projections. And then you're going to continue passing that on to other people. So it's just being mindful that it's like, you know, I will listen to other people, to judgments, you know, around me and, and I won't absorb them right? Because then you're going to stand true in yourself and then you will create more room to listen to those you actually need to hear. Yeah. I love that. That's a great way to end the question interview part of this Mm -hmm. podcast. That's a really great lesson. I hope everybody who listens to this takes that. If not anything more, just that alone is basically the whole episode. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So So to end this episode on a little fun, lighthearted note, I created a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I think so. No, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. The first one and my favorite question to ever ask, what person dead or alive would you love to have dinner with and why? Mm, My dad, because I never really got to meet him. Oh, I love that. That's such a sweet memory to, I mean, not memory, but like such a sweet sentiment. That's the word. That's such a sweet sentiment. (laughs) Would you rather travel the world for a year on a really low shoestring budget or stay in only one country for a year, but live in luxury, no expense barred? Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? If it was in Kelowna, BC, Canada, I would do luxury. <laughs> luxury. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a good choice. Yeah. Um, would you rather live on the beach or in a cabin in the woods? On the beach. Yes, you're one of my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yoga or running? Which one's your favorite? Yoga, definitely. Summer or winter? Summer. Magazines or books? Books. Do you prefer junk food or dessert? Ooh, dessert. (laughs) Yes, also one of mine. And the last one, wake up early or sleep out when you have the chance? Ooh, when I have the chance, sleep in. (laughs) Yes, love that. Finally, someone agrees with me. (laughs) Every person I've asked, they're like, no, even if I would have the chance, I sleep like I sleep until very early because I'm already used to it. And I'm like, why? Live a little, you know? I know. It's nice to sleep in. It really is. And and guilt-free. Guilt-free. 
<laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Kenzie. I hope you had a lot of fun on this episode. I learned a lot and I'm sure the listeners and everybody who's out there hearing this will also learn a lot from your amazing knowledge and story. And thank you for being so brave and telling, you know, not holding anything back and just living your truth and saying everything that you said today on today's episode. Yes. Thank you for holding the space and, and, you know, giving the opportunity for people to share their voice. I really appreciate it. So thank you. And I hope your listeners got a lot out of this, you know, get that pen and paper out, replay this episode and, and yeah, yeah, I'm sure you'll find lots of good nuggets. Definitely. And I'll leave um, your Instagram in the description as well as ours. So people can go find you message you ask you for nuggets of advice hire you do yoga with you do everything with you so as usual guys i will see you next week thank you again kenzie for being our guest and peace out everybody Mm